The place we gather for holidays, family time, meals, and conversation is the table. It is at the table that we share life, share a meal, celebrate family, and make memories. Jesus calls his family to gather at a table. It's a table of fellowship, worship, joy, and life. Something special happens when we come to the table to give thanks. Something beautiful happens when we share together, pray together, worship, and commit together. Something wonderful happens when we gather in Christ's name at the table. grateful for the Spirit of God being here in this place. Amen. I'm grateful for a band that leads us to that place of worship. I'm grateful for today. It's a special day for a lot of reasons. You notice our, uh, our baptism trough is here. And uh, at the end of our service, we'll be baptizing three who have come. And uh, they're putting their full faith and their public confession in Jesus Christ. So a lot to be grateful for today. For the month of November, it's a new series for us here at Vertical called The Table. And throughout this month, we're going to be looking at the power of gathering together with the spirit of gratitude and what happens when we do that. It, it's necessary, all the parts of that, gathering together in a spirit of gratitude. Something special happens when God's people do that. The book of Psalms tells us that God inhabits, He dwells in, He, he sits among, He reigns in the praises or the gratitude of His people. In other words, whenever we gather and there's a spirit of gratefulness that is expressed in a gathering of believers that the Spirit of God shows up in a way that's different than any other time. This doesn't mean that he doesn't meet with you when you're having your quiet time on your back porch on these cool fall mornings with your hot cup of coffee. Amen. Doesn't mean he doesn't show up there. But there is something different between the way he shows up there and the way he shows up when two or more are gathered together. And they begin to talk about the goodness of God. And they begin to express what God's been doing in their life. Something powerful happens in that moment. And throughout this month, we're going to see how that happens around four unique settings. The first is when we speak words of gratitude the second will be whenever we sing words of gratitude. Another will be communion. Remembering the body of Jesus broken for us. And the fourth is the reason we gather today. To celebrate baptism. When you gather together around these four, the Spirit of God shows up in some beautiful and powerful way. So I'm looking forward to this month and all that is ahead for us. I don't know about you, but the, the, dining, table, the dining room and the dining table is a pretty special place in our house. 
So when our kids are growing up, it was a pretty, uh, you know, commonplace for us to all sit and gather at the end of the day um, and, and have a meal together. Heather and the kids were always great, uh, great at gathering and preparing a meal, and I helped some with that, but Heather's the real uh, winner when it comes to the, the meal. So she would prepare those, and we would have discussion at the table. we talk about what happened during the day, and sometimes it led to laughter, sometimes it led to tears, but it was always a memorable experience. Today, the family's grown to the point we can't all fit around that one table anymore, so we're in the, you know, the living room around multiple tables, but it's, it's at mealtimes when you sit together that something special happens. It's at that moment that you sit eye to eye. You're sitting beside one another. You're sharing together. It does some unique things that I think we're going to see today from a passage in Scripture. And we're going to tie all this together today. I'm, I'm praying the Spirit of God will help us tie it all together in a beautiful way. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9 today, an Old Testament story. And it will help if I kind of set the stage with some of the characters involved in the story. We're going to enter a, a story that's in the, in the middle of process. Uh, it's a story that, like our lives today, we're in the middle of a process. This is not the beginning of your life. This is not the end of your life. You're in the middle of a process. There's, there's characters in your story. There's events happening in your story. And so in this story today, it will help if you know the, the players and the characters involved. So uh, the first is a character in the Old Testament by the name of Saul. Not to be confused with the New Testament character Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. This is different. This is a character in the Old Testament named Saul, and he's a king. He's been called by God to be a king. But a sad thing has happened because Saul has um, he's not followed after God while wearing his crown. And so I think it would help if I if I gave you some faces to keep up with the characters. So, Tim, why don't you come stand up here for just a moment. This is Tim Miller. Give Tim a hand. Stand right on here, Tim. We're going to let Tim, even though, yeah, right, right here, perfect. Even though this is completely uncharacteristic for him, we're going to, I mean, not this part, not this part. I'm sure Tim is a king in his home, right? <laughs> and silence. <laughs> we know who the king is now. All right, so... Tim is going to represent Saul for us. And uh, where Saul is in this story, his heart is far from God. He's turned from God. He's followed after other idols, and he's become hardened, and he's become cruel. Now, I'm guessing that Tim's still smiling pretty much. That's what he always has on his face, the smile. So just imagine a scowl right here and, and a mean, <laughs> hard look, and he's scary, you know, and, and he's cruel. And, and, but Saul has a son, and, and his name is Jonathan. So let me have Eli come up and represent Jonathan here this morning. This is not really Tim's son, but this is Jonathan, Saul's son. Okay? So, yeah, way to go. And um, a funny thing has happened because while Saul is king, God decides to remove him from his place of authority as king. It's a sad day. God called him because he has neglected the responsibility, because he has followed after other gods. God's about to remove the crown, and he's, he's actually anointed someone else to be king. 
And it'll be difficult at first for this new person to see this because they're so young. It's not Jonathan. It's a character we know of as David. So uh, Caleb, where's Caleb? Caleb, come on up and be, be David up here. And David at the time, yeah, give, give Caleb a hand. David at, at the time was a shepherd, so that kind of looks like a stick. So, yeah, so he, David is a, is a shepherd at the time, and he's, he's out in the fields, and he's listening to God. He sings to God a lot, Caleb, and so uh, he's a great worship leader among the sheep out in the field. Yeah. In fact... In fact, many said he was often outstanding in his field. So, hey, just, had to, just had to add that in there. <laughs> so, uh, because of sad Saul, cruel, mean Saul with a smile on his face, God, God took the crown from him. And he appointed David to be, ooh, it fits, that's good. He appointed David to be king. Now, to make the story even more interesting. And unless you think our lives are messy and scripture people's lives are not, mm, wrong. Because in the midst of this, these two guys become very good friends. Very good friends. I mean, so much so that they make a covenant with one another. That they will always be kind to one another for the remainder of their lives, no matter what happens. Well, this is difficult because Saul is angry with David. He has lost his crown to this little shepherd boy. And Saul is so upset about it that he ends up pursuing him, trying to kill him. So you've got these two guys at odds with one another, and his very son is best friend. This puts Jonathan in an awkward spot. Who do you show allegiance to? Family? Friend? Difficult. Twisted. Scripture people, they had stuff too going on. It's a difficult place. And so, war happens. Conflict happens. Jonathan eventually chooses his dad. And they go to battle. And then, <laughs> And the scripture says there's a day that the battle gets fierce. Things are not looking good. In fact, in the battle, Saul and Jonathan will lose their lives. They die. It's going to leave David all alone. David now will assume the place of being king. Let's give a hand to our Saul and Jonathan over here. Thank you. Sorry, your story's ended so sadly. So David is now coming to the throne. He is now assuming what God had arranged. He's kept his heart in following after God, and he's about to assume his role as king. Big hand for Caleb. You can take the prop with you, Caleb. Thank you. Yeah, or, or leave him there, either one. Now, what David did not know was that Jonathan had a son. In their time of conflict, a son was born. But the day 
that Saul and Jonathan were killed, panic spread throughout the region because they knew now without Saul to protect us, the wicked Philistines could come in. And so what happens is this son that Jonathan had, listen here, his name was Mephibosheth. All right? I know you're itching to say that, so let's just say it together. Mephibosheth. There you go. Mephibosheth. There you go. If you want to practice writing it, you can. It's fine. It's in the Bible there. You can see how it's spelled. Mephibosheth. So he's a little boy about the time that his dad and granddad are killed. And it causes a wave of panic because their fear now the Philistines will come to town and take over and kill them. And so the Bible records earlier that a nursemaid is carrying then five-year-old Mephibosheth. They're running for their lives. And while she is running, she trips, falls to the ground. The fall causes Mephibosheth to be crippled for the remainder of his life. Now, David doesn't know all of this. The separation's been rough. David comes to power. 2 Samuel 9 is where our story begins. Here we go. We're starting in verse 3. It says, Then the king, this is David, said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Now you've got to understand, back in the day, back in this time, if a new king came to power, what you wanted to do was eradicate the land of anybody who showed allegiance to the former king. You didn't want someone starting an uprising. You didn't want someone talking against you. So you did your best to remove them, kill them if necessary. But this is David. He's a man who follows after God. And so David comes to the throne and he says, is there anybody left from Saul's house that I can show kindness to? Wow. This is radical. This is different. This is not what the flow was. This is not what people did. Show kindness to your enemy. Show kindness to your enemy's family. But this is David. The second part of verse 3 says this, And Ziba said to the king, There is still son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Mm. Verse 4, So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Now, if you live in a town called Lodabar, you can already kind of get a feel for what goes on there. Y'all live down in Lodabar. It just sounds like a rough place, right? Lodabar. It was. It was a, it was a name that meant desolate, dry. And this is where Mephibosheth is living. David doesn't even know it. Because Mephibosheth is doing his best to hide from David. Mephibosheth is doing his best to hide from everybody. He doesn't want to be found out. He knows what happens to relatives of the former king. He doesn't want to be known, so he's hiding out in this town called Lodabar. And he's got this wrong view of the king. He's got this idea that if David comes to power, he's going to come looking for him and kill him. That's just what everybody had heard, everybody had known, and so that's what he expects. If David comes to power, he'll come after me. He'll condemn me. He'll kill me. This is what the king will do. 
But he was wrong about the king. And when you have the wrong view about who's in charge, it'll make you run for your life instead of run to him. If you have a wrong idea about what God is like, it'll make you run from him instead of to him. Do you hear me? If you think he's coming after you to condemn you and to kill you, you'll run from him instead of to him. And this is what Mephibosheth is doing. He's hiding because he has a wrong view of the king. He lives in fear. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Mephibosheth's in town and he's hiding out. He's, he doesn't like to go out places because he doesn't want anybody to see that he's there. And so he tries to keep a low profile. And every time he hears that there's someone new in town, he probably thought, look, don't talk to those people. Don't say anything to them. They might be spies. Can you imagine living with that kind of paranoia? Can you imagine living with that kind of fear that every person was someone who was out to get you? That's what happens when you have a wrong idea about who the king is. It's really what happens to you. Here's Mephibosheth crippled because of a fall. A fall happened, and it changed him. It's crippled him. He can't do what he thought he was going to be able to do. He can't function in life like he thought he was going to be able to. But that's what happens when you have a fall. It can cripple you. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it created a fall that crippled all of us that would be born afterwards. Mephibosheth hiding because of a wrong view of the king, because of a fall. And he's living in a dry, desolate place. It's in Lodabar. It's on the other side of the river. It's far away. It's kind of what we might say the other side of the tracks is what we used to say. And you think of someone who lives in this area, you kind of get this mental picture already about them. Verse 4, this is what it says. Verse 5, it says, Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. So Mephibosheth's doing his thing down in Lodabar. He wasn't looking for the new king. He's trying to hide from him. He wasn't making any plans to travel. But David says, I want you to go down and get him. Go get him and bring him to me. Verse 6. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, when they went and got him and they brought him to David, it says, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. He doesn't want to speak. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He figures he's about to be killed, and he's just laid out before the king. Verse 7, so David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. What? This is not what Mephibosheth thought was going to happen. He gets brought to the king's palace. He's brought in and he lays himself out just in a cry for mercy. And David says to him, look, I didn't call you here to terrorize you. I don't want you to be afraid. In fact, I've called you here because I'm here to show you kindness. Kindness not because of anything you've done but because of a covenant that I had made with the son of the king. Mm. There's some good stuff happening there. Mm -hmm. A covenant was made 
with someone else. And Mephibosheth is about to experience the benefits of that covenant. The father with the son has made a covenant. And God has made that covenant clear through his son. And he's coming to rescue us. He draws us. He calls us. He sends the spirit of God to come rescue us. While we're down in our loaded bar, our bad spot, the spirit of God comes down fetches us, brings us up to the king. We lay ourselves out, and he says, I didn't call you here to persecute you. I didn't call you here to condemn you. I've called you here to show you kindness. And we are stunned by it because we deserve judgment. We deserve wrath. We were part of the wrong family, just like Mephibosheth was part of the wrong family. We've been crippled by a fall, just like Mephibosheth has been crippled by a fall. We've been hiding from the king because we thought he was out to get us. But the Spirit of God comes and fetches us and draws us to himself. And he says, I'm here to show you kindness. And I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to restore to you all of the land of Saul, your grandfather. He was a king. He had land. He had possessions. He had power. And Mephibosheth's been living in hiding all this time. And David says, I've brought you here not to mess up your life, but to bless up your life. I'm about to give you something that you had never dreamed of. I'm going to restore to you what was lost. I'm going to give you back power. I'm going to give you back authority. I'm going to give you back blessings. I'm going to give you inheritance that should have been yours from the beginning, but it was lost because of someone who turned their heart away. And the same is true for us. We lost what should have been ours when Adam sinned. And all of us were born into a world in his same line. Sinned as well. We didn't deserve the inheritance, the blessing. We should have had judgment. We should have suffered death. We shouldn't have got anything. But instead, through the kindness of God, demonstrated through the death of his son and the resurrection of his son for us, it makes it possible for us to be brought back and restored and have life restored to us. We'll talk more about this in just a moment. But all this right here would be enough. That would be enough. Wow, Mephibosheth, you're not going to have to live like you did before, wondering where your next meal was going to come from, wondering where your enemies were, where your friends were, who anybody was. You're not going to have to live that way anymore, Mephibosheth, because David has come, and he's come to restore what's been lost. And look what else you're going to get, Mephibosheth, verse 7, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. What? Yes, Mephibosheth, I've restored to you land, house, houses, crops, animals. I've restored all that belonged to your grandfather. But here's what I'm going to do for you, Mephibosheth. I want you to sit at my table and eat with me, the king, continually. Not once, 
Not just on a day of celebration and then see ya. But every day, Mephibosheth, for every meal, anytime you get a thought for food, where you will eat is going to be at the king's table. You're going to sit with the king. You're going to sit and enjoy the king's delicacies. You're going to sit and enjoy the protection of the king. You're going to sit and enjoy the conversation of the king and his family. I'm not going to destroy you. I've come to bless you. You're going to be with me. You're going to feast with me. You're going to sit with us, and you're going to stay with us at the table continually. Verse 8, it says, Then he bowed himself, Mephibosheth, and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? David, how can you begin to look at me and give me this? How can you do this? I am deserving of death. I have been under sentence. I should be the one destroyed. I should be the one removed. And yet you have come and are blessing me. We'll skip on down to verse 11. It says, As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Whew. Mephibosheth sat there like royalty every day, every meal. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. What a beautiful little story package there for us in the Old Testament that is such a great picture of what God does for us in calling us to a table to sit with the king and enjoy life and the feast of royalty. So I don't know about you, but in our family, we had some, um, some guidelines at the table that we told our kids, you know, you can't get up until you finish your food, and then when you get finished with your food, you can say, may I please be excused? Our kids all still know the line. We don't make Taylor say it anymore. But <clears throat> when they were children, that was kind of the way we did it. And then there was a task. It was, you know, you had to help load the dishwasher, and all that went with it. I'm not sure what they did at David's table when Mephibosheth was there, but I want to point out a few things today from this passage that I think would have been some guidelines that would have been good for Mephibosheth to remember, and I'm sure he did. And they're good for us to remember as those who have been brought to the king's table. So here we go. The first one is this. When you're at the table, remember where you came from. If you've come to Jesus Christ and you're enjoying life in him today, it's important to always remember this. Remember where you came from. You know, the longer away it is from the day you came to know Christ, the more that time passes, the more this truth is important. Because you can begin to get to a place where you think, well, I've always been here at the table, you know. And, well, you know what? I kind of like being here at the table, and I probably deserve to be here at the table. If you're not careful, that can happen in your head. 
You think you somehow deserve being there, that you've always been there when you haven't. There was a day you weren't, and so it's important to remember where you came from. I was, um, I was hearing from Miss Carol Edwards back over here just recently. In fact, yesterday, she told me that um, 45 years ago today, she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 45 years. Yeah, it's worth applauding for. And here's what's beautiful about that, is I sense in her the same gratitude and joy as if it happened yesterday. She hadn't forgotten where she came from. It's important that you always remember where you came from. I'm sure there were times when Mephibosheth was sitting at that table and he just was sitting there just in awe like, what am I doing here in this place? It's crazy. I'm sitting at the table with David. I'm, look who else is here. He just looked around and he saw royalty. He saw the room. He saw what was at the table, the food they were eating. He saw what they were using to eat with and he thought, this is nothing like at home. I'm sure he never forgot that he came from Lodabar, a desolate place, a dry place, where he lived in fear all the time. It's healthy to stop and think, where would you be today if God hadn't sent his spirit down to rescue you? No, really, where would you be today? Where, where would you be? What group would you be hanging out with? What activities would you be involved with? What trouble would you be in today? What heartache would you be going through today? What confusion in your mind would be going on today if God hadn't come and rescued you? Don't ever forget where you came from. It'll help you appreciate the table. So that's a good rule for us if we've come to the table. The second thing that's important to remember is when you're at the table, remember how you got there. Mephibosheth didn't say, you know what? I think I'm going to the king's palace today. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell them who I am, and they're going to let me in that door, and I'm going to eat the richest food because I'm going to demand my way. That's not what happened. No one called together a group and said, you know what, that Mephibosheth is a pretty fine boy. Let's get him up here and applaud him for such a good boy that he's been. He's been so good, such a good man. He really deserves to be here at the king's table. That's not what happened either. No, Mephibosheth was deserving of death. He was hiding. He was crippled. He was lame. He was struggling. He was filled with fear instead of joy and peace. And the only way he got to the king's table was because the king decided, I want Mephibosheth at this table. You see, that's what happens in heaven. God says, I want Carol Edwards at my table. And he doesn't look down and say, boy, she has been so good. I think I'll just give her a reward for being good and bring her into the, the palace of the king. That's not what happens. 
When God decides to set his affections on someone, it's not because you've been good. It's because he has decided to set his affections on you. That's the only reason. It's only by his grace, the Bible says. It's not because you earned enough brownie points, went to church enough, were good enough. No, it's because he, he chose to set his affection on you. He sent his grace, and that's what happened. He's, the king, David, sent Ziba down to go get him. God sent the Spirit of God to come get you, and you were in a place one day, and your heart was far away, and all of a sudden something started happening in your heart. Some different thoughts started coming into your head. Some things you'd never thought before. And before you know it, you're moved to tears because of your own situation, where you are, what's going on. And you know, I can't sit here anymore. I can't do this anymore. And you cry out to God. And in that moment, the Spirit of God is coming to get you. And he comes in and he speaks. And he's speaking to you. And you hear him. And you know he's drawing you. You start feeling feelings you've never felt before. You feel God speaking to you. And it's this odd mix of conviction for what you've done wrong, but of comfort because of his great love. And all of a sudden, you can't do anything but run to him. That's what's happening here from Mephibosheth. He's getting brought to the king. That journey must have been like all of our journeys when God speaks to you and he calls you. So don't ever forget how you got to the table. Don't ever forget that. Don't forget what the Spirit of God felt like, sounded like. Don't forget how you responded in that moment and said yes to him. Don't forget what the peace was like that flooded over your soul. Don't forget about the difference it made in you because of what he chose to do. You didn't get to this place today at the table of the Lord because you decided to. You're here because he decided for you to be here. He called you. He drew you. The only thing you did say yes Lord I'll go don't forget how you got here the third thing when you're at the table remember whose table it is I'm sure this couldn't have been too hard for Mephibosheth in the early days especially to remember this is not the same table I was just eating at yesterday this is not me on the floor, Mephibosheth probably thought. This is not me wondering what I'm going to do for a meal tomorrow. I'm all of a sudden at the king's table. I'm enjoying food I've never even seen before. I'm being served my food. I'm enjoying life at the table. I'm hearing the king talk. I'm hearing royal discussion going on, and I'm being included in it. Don't ever forget whose table you're at today. You've come to Christ, and you hear God speak. He's sharing with you the riches of heaven, the wonders of his heart. He's sharing that with you. Don't forget, this is not your table. This is his table. He's brought you here, and what's here is beyond imagination. Don't take that for granted. Don't take it lightly. But remember, you're at the king's table. And there's blessings at this table that are 
beyond what you ever knew before. There's the blessing of forgiveness at this, this table now in Christ you didn't know before. There's blessings of peace at this table you've never known before. Pass me a, pass me a bowl of those peace potatoes, you know? Pass me some more of that uh, French fried forgiveness. Pass all that on down here. I want to eat some more of that, right? You're eating stuff you've never known before. The peace of God, the forgiveness of God, protection in the royal family, acceptance, life every day. And it's not just a one meal deal. It's eat at my table continually. Keep feasting. Come back. And at any point, Mephibosheth had all the servants he needed at his house, all the land at his house. He could have called up a meal at any point. But David said, I want you to eat at my table. Don't ever forget whose table it is. It's the king's table. Don't get lazy about that. Don't get arrogant about it. Don't become demanding. Remember, you, deserving of death, have been brought to the table of life. You are sitting at the table with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is speaking. Remember whose table it is. But finally, it's important to remember this, that when you're at the table, remember your fall and your frailties are covered. You see, Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. The fall had caused him to not be able to walk like he had wanted to. I'm sure his legs and feet were withered. They didn't grow like other people's legs. He had to be carried everywhere. He couldn't go where he wanted. And I'm sure he must have been self-conscious about it. Anytime someone came to the house, they saw Mephibosheth and they saw his lame feet. Anytime he had to go out in public, they saw Mephibosheth and his lame feet. It got to where they went together. That's just, when you thought of Mephibosheth, you, you thought of lame feet. It's just what he was known for. Here comes the lame boy. Here comes the lame man. You see, he's being carried. You see, he can't go where he wants to go. He's lame. And this began to be what Mephibosheth saw himself as incapable, crippled, fearful. But all of a sudden, when he's brought to the table of David, a table of covenant promises, a table of feasting, and Mephibosheth is put in a chair, and he scoots up to this table. Now, when he sits at this table, all anybody sees is Mephibosheth for who he is. Because what was lame is now covered by the table. At the table, he's one with everybody. At the table, he's one with royal family. And no one thinks of, oh, where's that? Lame boy. Where's that lame guy? Mephibosheth becomes known as the one 
that the king showed kindness to. It changed everything. You and I have been affected by a fall. The sin of Adam, but our own sin as well. That made us lame, incapable of moving through life like we would want to. Of experiencing life as it was intended. It made us lame, crippled, incapable. But God saw us in our own Lodabar. And he sent for us. And he brought us. And in our lameness, he seats us at his table. And we sit at this table now, a covenant table, filled with the richest blessings ever known to man. And at the table are not just others who have experienced it, but at the table is King Jesus. And the most awkward thing happens at this table because while you are sitting there at this table and you're looking around at all the people who are at the same level as you, you're looking eye to eye, your head turns and you look and you notice Jesus is at the table and he's looking eye to eye at you. Wow. We sharing with Jesus at the table, oh my goodness. I wanna get back to this table every time it's mealtime, amen? I wanna share in this table. I wanna be a part of this table. I don't wanna live like I used to when I was in Lodabar. I used to be so afraid of this man, but he's been good to me. I wanna get around him now. I wanna hear him. I wanna eat what's been prepared. I'll be forever grateful for being at the table. Mm. You can see why I'm excited about this month and where we're headed. There's so many other riches that are ours at the table. So next week, we're going to talk about communion. That's coming to a table. But today, we're here to talk about baptism. Because baptism is like a a table experience. You know, baptism in the Bible, is, it's, it's commanded to be something that we do in public with other believers. It's not something you, you, you put away in a small room and one person does it by themselves, right? That's not how baptism works. You are baptized by someone and you do it in front of others. It's part of an experience so that when you and I come together today, you're going to watch three adults be baptized. And when it happens, I want you to do just what we've said we do when you come to the table. Remember where you came from. Remember what life was like before you came to know the Lord and were baptized. Remember how you got here. It wasn't because you were good or you figured it out. It's because God called you. Remember whose table it is. Remember what you've been brought to. Don't ever live the same. And what was the last one? Remember that your lameness is covered at the table. What you're going to see today is a picture of three 
who are being baptized in the water that pictures the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. But also pictures their death and resurrection. I'm no longer going to be who I was living in Lodabar. I'm going to be now one who sits at the king's table. And this is how you can know me from now on. Don't, don't call me that guy from Lodabar anymore. Don't call me wicked sinner anymore. I'm now loved child of God. Amen? I want to look at two verses before we ask uh, for we pray and get ready for our baptism. Look at these two verses here. The first one is this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You are now sons of God. This is now who you are. You were not that before, but now you have been made sons of God. You've been brought to the table. Verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. When you come to the table now, you're not known by what you used to be. You're not known by your first birth. You're known by your second birth. Amen? You're known by the covenant that's been cut for you. You're known by the king who has brought you. That's what's happening now. So when you see these baptized, I want you to remember for yourself what happened. I want you to celebrate with them what's happening. Because it will be a forever a day of memories for them. And they, like us, now come to the table where there's not hierarchies of good people, better people. There's not hierarchies of pastors and then people, but there's one. We sit at the table and we see ourselves not slave or free. We don't even judge ourselves as male or female. We see ourselves as one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. We're going to switch our service up just a little bit today. I want us to pray and use this moment now to thank God for coming to get you in Lodabar. Go ahead and just thank him right now for that. Remember where you came from. Tell him you're thankful for the fact that he came and rescued you. Tell him you're thankful to be at his table today. And tell him you're thankful that your fall and your frailties are all covered at the table and because of the table. Heavenly Father, we are humbled and grateful today that when we were in our sin, when we were wrapped up in our guilt, our fear, and what was crippling us, you looked down with great mercy 
and you sent your spirit to rescue us. And you spoke to us. You called us. And you drew us. You pointed out our weakness. But you quickly pointed to your greatness. You pointed out our sin. But you quickly pointed to the Savior. You pointed out our inability. But you quickly pointed to your ability. And so for that, we're grateful today. Thank you for rescuing us. And thank you for bringing us to the table. A place to feast. To take in. To sit with you. To hear your words. To know your heart. Your wisdom. To be taught by you. To be loved by you. To be comforted by you. And to know that we're invited to continually feast at your table. Father, we're grateful today. We remember and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to ask um, Dan Diaz to come at this time. And we're going to, uh, we're about to take our offering. But Dan's going to come as a member of our leadership team. Uh, we've been taking the past several weeks to tell you about some of the ways that our church gives and supports other ministries in the area. And I think today you're going to be encouraged to hear about one that Dan uh, will tell you about. Dan, why don't you come at this time? And uh, when you're finished, if you'll pray yes. for our offering. Well, church, I'm really excited to be sharing with y'all uh, about a ministry that uh, Vertical Church supports. Uh, so when you give, a portion of what you give goes to support this ministry. The ministry is called First Look, and it's in Waxahachie. And uh, the mission of First Look is leading Ellis County to embrace life by promoting best sexual health practices and providing family support in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they have four different services they provide to uh, uh, women and uh, men in Ellis County. Uh, they have medical services, pregnancy testing, ultrasound testing, and uh, sexually transmitted illness testing and treatment. They also uh, provide personal care, pregnancy options counseling, so if a woman comes to them and she uh, has an unexpected pregnancy, they're able to share uh, options that uh, she has available to her. They provide spiritual support and they provide abortion healing. They also have educational uh, services uh, like prenatal classes, parenting classes, and one-on-one -on -one classes. And they provide resource support uh, for uh, victims of domestic violence, for uh, terminal prenatal diagnosis, and uh, a service that I didn't even know was uh, available until she, uh, Donna Young, the CEO of uh, First Look, came and spoke to us a second time uh, a couple of weeks ago in one of our meetings. Uh, they provide abortion pill reversal, which I didn't even know was something that was available. So if a woman's taken an abortion pill and uh, has a change of heart uh, within a certain time frame, she can have 
this reversed. So those are some of the services that, that they provide. I wanna share with you all some statistics uh, from 2017. So just know that uh, over the past almost year, uh, numbers have been added to this. Uh, they uh, have provided, in 2017, they provided uh, 2000 or 210 ultrasounds. So they performed 210 ultrasounds in, two, uh, in 2017 and uh, 123 clients who were at risk for abortion chose life after those uh, ultrasounds. 101 uh, confirmed babies were born and uh, they provided 109 uh, STI tests to clients. Uh, they also shared the gospel with 115 clients and they had 20 uh, of those clients that uh, requested to, or they prayed to receive Jesus as their savior. So those are the statistics for 2017. They've uh, obviously uh, have been able to uh, have even more success over the past year. Uh, and uh, one of the things that you should know, uh, First Look is uh, going to be expanding their services. Their facilities are going to be expanding. They had a plot of land that was donated to them by uh, the Avenue Church, and they're going to be uh, expanding their facilities so they'll have uh, the availability for even more clients to come in. So uh, just know that a portion of uh, everything that you give goes to support First Look. Uh, so if uh, the ushers will come forward, we'll uh, pray God's blessing over the, uh, these gifts. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father, for the various ministries that uh, are available that uh, Vertical Church is able to support, like First Look. We thank you, Father, for the uh, gifts that are being brought today, this morning, before you, and we pray, Father God, that you would take this, these gifts, bless them, use them for your kingdom, Father God, and uh, bless those who are here this morning, this, uh, Having heard this message, Father, take this message and uh, make it fruitful in our lives. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you so much for being here with us today. If you are a first-time guest, we want to connect with you. We have a special gift over at our Welcome Center. It's a copy of our Vertical Church Worship Band CD. My name is Jamie. This is Melissa, and here's your vertical announcements. Coming up at the end of the month, November 27th, we're going to be having our... Um, Waxahachie lighted Christmas parade. Last year was so much fun. The tech team did an amazing job on our float with all kinds of lights. The band played amazing music as we walked down the streets of Waxahachie, um, handing out advertisements for Vertical to everyone along the sidelines, side um, also trying to keep up with the band and sing along with them. Um, why don't you guys check out this video from last year and see how much fun it was.
like Melissa said, it's on a Tuesday night, and you saw the shots of the crowd. There are literally thousands of people that attend this parade. What an awesome opportunity for us to be a part of that. So we want to invite you to come and be a part of that with us. You can sign up at the Welcome Center before you leave, um, or if you receive vertical text messages, then you'll be getting one soon. You can reply there for more information. This is a great opportunity for us to invite people to come to Vertical and to be a part of what God is doing here. Last year, our float um, got second place. Of course, we're trying for first place this year, so come and be a part of that. And that's your Vertical announcements. All right, very good, thank y'all. All right, well, this is uh, the part I've been looking forward to. We're going to baptize this morning. And uh, I encourage you today to celebrate with those who are being baptized. So when they come up out of the water, you know, it's okay to clap, shout, all that kind of stuff. We're celebrating new life in Jesus Christ today, amen? Someone came to the table, amen? All right, I'm going to start today with Aaron. Aaron, come on up. This is Aaron Woolbright. He's got family here with him, and uh, family, if y'all want to come stand nearby, you're welcome to. Aaron came to me a couple weeks ago and told me that he really wanted to make this, this faith that he's walking in public. And so we've talked some about what that means, how we live that out in our life, and uh, he's got some other steps that are coming in his life that he's going to now make under the direction of knowing he makes it from the table. He doesn't make them from being in Lodabar anymore, right? So, Aaron, I welcome you to these baptismal waters today. Come on in. Yeah, have a seat. Yeah, good. It's pretty warm, huh? It feels good. <laughs> we warm it up. Aaron, I'm excited for you to be here in a public experience today, to say to these folks, to say to family, to say to your wife, your child, putting your faith in Jesus Christ and you're following him today. It takes a, a godly man to do that. Aren't you grateful for a man, an adult, who'll put his faith in Jesus Christ and make it public in this day? Amen? Amen. So Aaron, I baptize you today as a brother in Christ. Welcome to the table. You're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Stephanie, it's your turn. Yeah, Stephanie's got friends, family with her. This is Stephanie Smith. Come on up. Stephanie's asked if she could say a few words today. So, Stephanie, what would you like to say today? I'm, like, so nervous. I'm just, like, <laughs> so I just wanted to say in my early 20s, there was a lot of stuff that went on, and there's some people in my family that are here today that I would have never in a million years imagined that they would be back. I'm really sorry, but I'm really excited that they're here. I'm really excited that my whole family is here. So I just want to give God all the glory because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be standing here today. It's just that simple. I, I tried by myself. You guys. Yeah. Did you catch what she said there? She tried living in Lodabar by herself, and it wasn't working. But the Holy Spirit drew her. Um, 
Stephanie showed up. It's been about, I think, eight weeks ago now. It was the first week of the Like Arrows. And they were here that morning and came that night and have been a part ever since. And God's been at work in their lives. So, Stephanie, I welcome you this morning. Oh, either way. Either way. It's fine. Stephanie, I welcome you here today. It's not the water that changes us. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that changes us. The water is a picture. It's a symbol of his covenant for us. The washing that happens for us in Jesus Christ. The cleansing from all that we had been before to who we now are in Jesus Christ. So Stephanie, I'm glad to welcome you to the table and welcome you to these waters today. I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. You're buried with him in baptism. And raised to walk. today, I'd like to invite Joe up. This is Joe Knapp. He's got family here with him today as well. Joe, come on up. So we talked, uh, I guess it was a week or two ago, and he comes with the same heart, same desire. And it, this excites me to know men, to know that the Spirit of God is at work, drawing and calling people, drawing them to himself out of Lodabar into new places to come to the table. So Joe comes to make this public today, and he does so with wife and children right here watching. So way to go, Joe. Joe told me that, uh, yeah, you can clap for family. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Joe told me that like all of us, we go through periods in our life where we do some things we wish we hadn't have done and saw some things took part in some things we wish would have never done. But there's cleansing, there's healing, and there's life in Jesus Christ. So Joe comes today to lead his family now as a follower. He leads now from the table. Come on in, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joe, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you and your family. What God's doing in your life. This is the beginning of so many greater things that God's going to do. Welcome to the table. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Raised to walk in newness of life. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.